Today, I want to talk to you about the mightiness of God. The mightiness of God. And hopefully that when we're done, he will be supersized in your mind and your heart. Serious. God's big, but, you know, we still don't capture how big he really is and what that means and how that translates. And I believe it's time to look again. To consider, to upgrade, as it were, how big and how great God is. You see, the Bible does celebrate the mighty power and the infinite wisdom and understanding of God. It celebrates it. And while the greatness of God is beyond our understanding, and for us to be able to comprehend it, yet that is not an excuse not to investigate and to learn about his vastness. The one who spoke the universe into existence The one who sees every sparrow fall, knows every thought, and numbers the hair on your head. The one who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It's the same one who counts the stars and calls them by Name. The psalmist said in 147, Great is the Lord. On the heels of he counts the stars and calls them all by name. He is great and mighty in power, and his understanding is infinite. Which means it's without limits, it's measureless. To take a comparison, which the scripture does do for us. Everything that man has built has limits. Fact is, they tell us that everything man has built, its houses, its cities, its skyscrapers, taken together would not fill a cube 500 miles by 500 miles by 500 miles. But the planet Earth alone contains 260 billion cubic miles. Gives some meaning in how that There are things that are like a drop in the bucket. Yes. If we have some scriptures there, Isaac, when I consider 
the work of your hands. David now is sitting, ruling, positioning, power. Yet it would seem that his mind goes back to his shepherd days. When in the nighttime he would lay out there taking care of the sheep. And in those moments and those times he's, he looks up into the heavens and he sees the stars and the moon and the, the night lights begin to penetrate him. And in this moment down the road, he remembers and he says, when I consider, when I think about, when I give thought to when I pay respect to, give attention to, <clears throat> David draws our attention to begin to paint for us the mightiness of God when we consider the unfathomable greatness of the mighty one. Isaiah chapter 40 says, to whom will you liken me? Who will you compare me to? A great passage of scripture. For you to read is Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 26. And I would suggest to you that you also read in Job chapter 38 through 41 and listen to God's discourse to Job as he pens the comparativeness of Job and God. Yes. Charles Spurgeon wrote a little summary of the greatness of God and formatted from Scripture, of course. He says, Consider my soul the mightiness of the Lord, who is your glory and defense. He is a man of war. <coughs> Jehovah is his name. All the forces of heaven are at his command. Legions wait at his door. Cherubims and seraphims. Watchers and holy ones when you discover the book of Revelations. Principalities and powers are all attentive to his will. If our eyes were not blind by the dust of sin, we should see the horses of fire and the chariots of fire round about God's servants. The power of nature is all subject to the absolute control of the creator. The stormy winds and tempests, the lightning and the rain, the snow and the hail, the soft dews, the cheery sunshine come and go. 
at his decree. We call it Mother Nature. It's Jehovah God. Earth, sea, and air, the places under the earth are the barracks for Jehovah's great armies. And when you read Job, you will discover the unfolding and the enlightenment in those arenas. It says when he goes to war, famine rages the land, a pestilence smites the nations, hurricanes sweep the sea, tornadoes shake the mountains, and earthquakes make this solid world tremble. Animate creatures, they're all under his domain. And from the great fish that swallowed the prophet down to the small fleas are all his servants. Even the caterpillars and the worms are squadrons of his great army. Found in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? As he began to introduce himself to Abraham. He said, I am almighty God. Psalms 91, 1 and 2. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Man. Consider, seriously, church this morning, of believers. He is limitless. He's measureless. He's ceaseless. And he's unmatched. And he's your God. He's limitless because he knows all. Measureless in all that he does. Ceaseless in all he is. His position has no peers and his power is unmatched. When I consider the work of his hands, and then David says he goes into the particulars, the sun, the moon, the stars, as he revisits creation, he comes up with an awe. What is man? Thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. And yet, I was made him a little lower than angels, but yet you crown him with loving kindness. And you set him over the works of all of your hands. You see, the discovery of the programs and the world that man discovers all only happens because... He 
has planned it. Over the work of my hands, I give you. When you consider, and I'm sure you do, but, you know, the mightiness of God in creation that there has to be a designer. I've never heard of or never seen, and nor has anyone else, an explosion create such unity. Most time when there's a big bang, it's just debris. And yet Isaiah 40 and 26, he says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these things. Who brings out their hosts by number? Who calls them by name? By the greatness of his might and strength and of his power, not one of them is missing. Yes, I know there is a side that people can become worshipers of nature, but that's not the purpose of considering it. Designed to reveal the mightiness of God. He counts them all by name, the stars. Harvard and Yale University estimates that there are 300 sextillion stars. And he got a name for every one of them. This is not fiction, church. It's declaration. It's revelation. It says that he stretches out the heavens and all the hosts. They reveal the glory of God and this marvelous display and craftsmanship. Now, I don't know if you understand. I sure don't. I never even knew there was such a thing as sextillions let alone 300 of them. But the fastest computer in the world can do 10 million calculations a second. And yet it would take 30 million years to count the stars. And yet this God is concerned about each individual. What is man that you are mindful of him? Oh, how we should stand in awe of him. Did you know that 
1,300,000 earths can fit inside the sun. Did you know that there's 15 million suns that can fit inside of Antaros? Solar systems of God. Think about it. And then you discover the other one and I can't pronounce it, but it's spelled B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. And it's 300 million times bigger in volume than the sun. And Job points it out. How big is God? What shakes your world? This God can stabilize it. Yes. Imagine that Earth is the only planet that has life. At least they haven't discovered any yet. Yet all of those are contributing to the life that exists on earth. Yes. The particulars and the details. You know, when they're familiar with the Signs that indicate seasons and days and years and just the moon itself, how valuable it is to the oceans and the seas. That when the tide comes and goes, there's a refreshing and a renewing that has taken place. When that tide goes out and when that times come in, there's a renewal of the oxygen in it so that it can support the life that is in it. My, it cleanses it. It says in Romans that since the Creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that there is no excuse. This all that we see is called the voice of God in creation and in the universe. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handy work. Day unto day it utters speech. Night unto night it reveals knowledge. 
there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Woo! Their line has gone out through, the, through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run in its race. How many are glad for the sun? You feel much better when it's sunny. Yes, you do. You get a little grumpy if the sun stays under too long. <coughs> yes. There is a voice in creation. And Jesus picks it up in Luke chapter 21. It says that there will be signs and the sun and the moon, stars and on earth. Darkness or distress of nations, perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. There is a voice of God. Hallelujah. So we consider the heavens. We consider the size of creation, the magnitude of it all, and yet the scripture says that they're all too small to contain God. Too small. Yes, too small. God is the one who inhabits eternity. We don't know what eternity is like in the realm that eternal. But one day, we shall make a transition from time to eternity. Woo! The God who is eternal. Some get to go there faster than others. What's eternity like? Obviously, I don't know, but let me give you a little idea. If you were to take a bird, and that bird should pick up one grain of sand and carry it to the moon, and each one in that fashion, pick the grain of sand up, carry it to the moon, come back and pick up another grain of sand and carry it to the moon and would eventually carry all of earth away. Eternity would have just begun. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Church! It's unfathomable, yes! It's beyond understanding! 
But stop and consider it, he says, just a little while and a little moment. It says in Isaiah that he sits above the circle of the earth. The inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain, you know, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It says that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. It says that the clouds are the dust of his feet. Then he goes on to talk about the greatness of his, of his arm. The power. And a power that's always governed by love. Always governed by love. You never have to worry about the abuse or the misuse of God and his power. Because it's always governed by his love. Then he has the greatness of his voice, the scriptures refer to, and without going into detail, you know, when we read about the miracles in the Old Testament, and then we begin to unfold it in Scripture. When those great waters were parted, it says it was his voice that they fled back from. Amen. How great, not only is his voice, but how great is his goodness. Great as he is. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Think about the greatness of his grace. We are so important to God that even when sin broke up the relationship between us and our creator, he sent his son to offer to restore that breakup. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's restoring a breakup. Yes. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. How great is his gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is. We come to it. Eternal life. (laughs) Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We know so little about eternity. We, you know, are still trying to discover time. But at the 
truth of the matter is, is eternity is part of our DNA. Now we got to shed some temporal things. Well, this mortal must put on immortality. There's got to be a, an immortal or a mortal, you know, laying down that we might take up immortality. Of course, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Or that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. There will be a transformation. I have enough time here just to do God's mightiness in language. God's mightiness in creation, the work of his hands. God's mightiness in language. As of 2009, I realize this is 2018, but there were 6,909 languages. Words are powerful. They communicate life and death. Yes. God is the one that established languages. According to Genesis, the whole earth was of one language. My musicians come this morning. They were all on the same song sheet, only the wrong song sheet. Yes. I believe that Bible is not a story of God's punish is of God's punishment as much as it is how sin splits the very words that lead men to God. Sin divides God and man and man and man. The lie at Babel is that in himself, rather than in God, man can find his meaning and destiny. He can't. He can't. Yes. God. I'm going someplace with this. God undermines their capacity by using different speech. God is still using or confusing the speech to halt the 
man's anti-God agenda. We are now living the story of Babel. We speak a common words, but we are speaking different languages. Think about it, church. Yes, real conversation that matters dies before it begins. Aborted by hopelessness of the meaningless of words. I'm not going to get too stirred up about it. He is the author of confused language. I don't know if you're getting the picture. I gotta be, I have to walk there softly. Did they mean what they said or did they say what they didn't mean? Or it seems like there was no meaning at all. Or it dies before it even gets. the heart of the king. Now, does that mean we don't do anything? No. Because there is a word, and that's God's word. That must have a propellant. That must have a communicator. It says, Cyrus, my anointed servant. Who is Cyrus, God's anointed servant? A pagan. A pagan. Worshipper of the Almighty God. It says that men's hearts are going to fail them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. Now, I'm not exactly sure, you know what I mean? In those, those bookends, there's always a start, there's an in between. 
fear not, little flock. Fear not. Don't fear. The nations are as a drop in the bucket. But you are the apple of my eye. You are the apple of my eye. Is anything too hard for God? Come on, church. made and he runs the universe a whole lot bigger and larger than our lives his eye is on the sparrow not one of them falls to the ground but the heavenly father knows that they have fallen so what is man in all of this the expanse of his greatness and his mightiness. There is a focus of God's eye, and that is on humanity. Because God is more concerned about the internal of our hearts than he is the external of the solar system. Yes. Hallelujah. This mighty God, this mighty God, says that there's no one like me. There's no one that you can really compare me to. But I have sent Jesus to reveal a greatness of me that's not readily seen or apparent in creation. Amen. His great and mighty love as you stand with me today. When, when offered a mission, Many times in scriptures, and even with us today, at least with me, I think the mission is too big. And yet, as he responded to the prophets, is there anything too hard?
for God? We've got to answer it. Is there anything too hard for God? I got to say it again because it's got to get in our spirit. We've got so many limits set because we've let the universe of our lives dictate the size of our God. We've let the what-nots, you know, be the final answer on the what-ifs. But no. Is anything too hard for God? Oh, let's have a song right here because the Holy Spirit is. Because he doesn't do everything like we want him to does not mean it's too difficult for him to do. Because he who made the heavens, all 306 sextillion stars, And they're just hanging out. <laughs> they're just hanging out. Hanging out. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that, you know, we, there's not an involvement that we have, but there are times that we just need to hang out in the greatness of God. You hear me, church? You gotta just hang out in the mightiness of God. You gotta hang out in the fact that He knows all things. The reason He is eternal gives Him the ability to know the end from the beginning and everything in between. Unfathomable? Yes, absolutely. You gonna figure it out? Am I gonna figure it out? No. But the one thing about it is we can still believe because there is the Word of God which lives and bides forever. It will never pass away and it is what holds all things together. You can trust what the word says about God. Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to preach on your weaknesses are not a barrier for God's power. Your weaknesses are not a barrier for God's power. So don't waste your weakness. Don't waste your weakness. Father, we thank you today that you are our God. We want to upgrade. We want to supersize. Father, we don't want to forget 
And so let us spend a night like David, considering the stars and the handiwork of your hands to capture again your mightiness in Jesus' name. Go with God. He's going to go with you. God bless you. Love one another. And don't forget to leave a great offering for the Gideons. Love you much.